Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 359 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger, my good friend Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? Oh, I'm doing good, man. How are you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. I'm going to dive straight into these fights here. I'm going to whiz through it. I'm on vacation, so I'm going to try. Well, I don't know why I turn Americanized when I speak to you, Eddie, but I'm on holiday, I should be saying. And, um, yeah, that doesn't get in the way of the podcast. It still has to go out, of course. And I'm going to just try my best to make it pretty speedy this week. I'm going to start with the review part, as ever. Uh, this one took place last Thursday, so a week ago today. Um at the hangar in Costa Mesa, California, USA. It was live on Fight TV. Um, yeah, so Thursday, uh, August 25th. Um, God, it's just going so fast this year, it seems like, for me anyway. Um, Ernesto Mercado, friend of the show, now 7-0. and A second-round KO here against Alfredo Blanco, who's now 22-11. and That is the seventh KO um, in... Mercado's career, every fight won by knockout, he's the guy who had about 300 amateur fights, we had him on um, a few months ago, um, this one took place on the Friday, Murat Gassiev with a win, he had his 30th pro fight, he's now 29-1, and still has that sole defeat to Alexander Usyk, a first round KO here against Kalaus Welch, who's now 21-3 and with a draw, it was for the Eurasian Boxing Parliament heavyweight title, um, Murat Gassiev with a really quick and easy night's work to be totally honest with you, we do need to see him way more active than he has been, I just still do not quite understand what's going on with him um you know i don't quite get it the move to heavyweight from cruiserweight seemed to take ages and then you know when he fights he has a has an opponent like this and we see one round of boxing and then how long are we going to have to wait to see him again this guy needs absolutely needs to get back you know there's so many guys out there in the heavyweight division that i think he could probably beat um, but we need to see the fights. I mean, at this point in time, no one's talking about him as a potential threat to the heavyweight crown or the heavyweight crowns. No one. No one's talking about that at all. Why not? I mean, this guy, you know, should should be right up there boxing the likes of, I don't know, the top contenders like your Dominic Brazils, like your Charles Martins, like your Gerald Washingtons. These guys, there's so many guys to pick from. I just don't understand what's going on with him. He is still young, though, um, apparently. Um, moving out now to the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. This one was live on Sky Sports, a top rank card. Um, I'm going to start with the undercard. I'm going to just touch on this. I didn't actually see it, but Effie Jagba with a win, a TKO in round two. 
He's now 16-1. and one. He was able to knock out there Joseph Darmos, who's now 14-5 and five with three draws. Darmos down twice in the second round. Heavyweight, big baby Jared Anderson, now 12-0. and 0. He came to the ring in shackles. Um, um, and, you know, he was um, dressed in, in, like, prison overalls. Really kind of weird. I've seen it done, I think, once before. I think it was Dennis Berenchik. Um I think uh, the Russian fighter, or is he Ukrainian? I really shouldn't mix the two up. I think he's Ukrainian, so forgive me there if you're Ukrainian and I've just mistook him for being Russian. But anyway, I've seen him come and do it. He's got a lot of, you know, outlandish ring um, entrances going. But, yeah, Jared Anderson doing it. I mean, it took a while to get the handcuffs off his ankles, and I don't know. I think his brother's been locked up, and it was some kind of tribute to him. I don't know. Friend of the show, Jared Anderson. Always exciting. 12 wins, 12 knockouts. Another one here against Miljam Rovkanin. And he's now um, 24 and 3 Rovkanin. But yeah, I didn't, I don't know, I don't know. Didn't think it was that necessary. Just seemed a bit out of place for Jared Anderson. Um, but look, I mean, we're talking about his boxing, not his ring walk. Maybe I shouldn't even be saying it, but... Impressive. Good stuff for him. Elsewhere on the card, Richard Torres Jr. I think he's 3-0 now with three KOs, but he recorded arguably the most brutal knockout I've seen of 2022. Marco Antonio Canedo brutally knocked out. Um, Oh, man. I'm trying to remember it now. I know it was absolutely brutal. I know he hit him with a shot, and he was out, completely out. He was on the way down, and I think he hit him with about two or three other shots, and including a really big right hand that kind of snapped his head back the other way while he was on the way down, and he, he I mean, it was, it was it was brutal. He was face first down on the canvas. When they turned him over, his eyes were wide open. He wasn't blinking. They were kind of, you know, trying to massage his heart. It looked really dangerous, and I was quite surprised the camera didn't pan away, but no, they zoomed in, and you could just see his eyes wide open like he's, you know, like he'd seen a ghost. Um, I haven't heard any updates on his condition. I'm, I'm guessing it's all okay, because we would have probably heard otherwise if it wasn't, but it was one of the most brutal knockouts I've seen. Um, yeah, it really was. It was it was it was a terrible knockout, and I think he was down once prior to the stoppage, if I remember correctly. But the knockout was brutal from Richard Torres Jr. Um, moving on to the main event, Jose Pedraza now twenty nine and four with a draw. Richard Comey thirty and four with a draw. No one likes a draw in boxing. We don't see it too often. Um, but this was a fight I think that was kind of. Scored quite fairly, I'd say, in the end, when you look at it and say, yeah, it was a draw. Obviously, there was a card either way, and then the draw, uh, 95-95 from Gary Ritter. Um, David Sutherland, I think, had it to Pedraza, and Henry Guerri, I think his name is, had it to Richard Comey. Um, You know, Richard Comey had his moments, to be honest with you. He still looked like he could... You know, he brought the power up, really, to 140. Still looked like he could pack a good punch. Um, Jose Pedraza, I've said it for years and years, so underappreciated. I honestly think he's one of the most skilled fighters in boxing, period. I know we've got a lot. We do have a lot, and that's quite a big statement that some people may go, what the hell are you talking about, Joey? But he's a very skillful guy. Just like, you know, I remember um, having a conversation years ago, and 
I said that Malik Scott was one of the most skilled heavyweights in the world. And some people can laugh at that. But it's true. Malik Scott had a whole load of skills. And Pedraza's a very, very skillful guy. He's got every punch in the book. He's a tremendous mover. He has it all. He really does have it all. And I've always been a big fan of Pedraza. So anyone that can beat him, for me, is held in hugely high regard. Um, I never forget, obviously, um, Javante Davis breaking on the scene, bursting onto the scene, and getting Pedraza out of there. That was so impressive, and it's only gone on to be more impressive as time's gone on. It's aged so brilliantly, because no one has been able to do that really to Pedraza since then. Um, but yeah, I felt it was quite a fair fight in the end. Um, very 50-50, like I say. Comi had big moments, and he started quite, quite well. Pedraza with the... I guess, um, more experience, really, kind of took over in some parts of the fight. But, yeah, just a really close fight. I don't really have anything else to add to it. And, like I say, I tried to whiz through the review part as fast as I could right there. That's all I have to say. Eddie, I don't know if you saw anything from last week. If you did, then um, tell me what you think. And if you didn't, then we'll just welcome our, our special guest. Yeah, um, I sent a little bit of a Raza and uh, Colby fight, it was good. It was back and forth. You know what I mean? Uh, like you said, nobody likes to draw. It's not a popular decision. But in this case, it was like a, a real back and forth. I didn't see the entire fight, but because I was actually out and I actually was watching it on a, uh, in, a in a casino, <laughs> you know, believe it or not. But uh, it was uh, it was a good fight. You know, it was really, it was a really, really, really good fight going, uh, from what I've seen, uh, obviously. Um, I thought in the in the last round in particular, I saw Comey came, and I think Pedraza had a really good round nine, and then Comey came out strong in the tenth early on, and uh, but then Pedraza came back a little bit. It was it, like I said, if you're gonna give a fight a draw, you know what I mean? It, it's got to really be warranted, and I think in this case, I'm not saying that you know that one of them couldn't get it. I mean, you flip a coin, but in, in this kind of a situation. Uh, I think a draw was appropriate, and it's, it's a good thing, too. It doesn't affect either either of their records in a bad way, and both their stock goes up. Because, like I said, it was a fantastic fight. Both fighters came and they put eight through punches. They did what they had to do to, uh, you know, to give the fans what they came to see. Yeah, absolutely. And just before we wrap up part one, the final thing for me to do is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the popular heavyweight and former co-host of this podcast. It is, of course, Mr. Hassim Rackman Jr. Hassim, welcome back on the show, my man. Joey Joe, what's up, man? It's good to be back. It's good to be here. Always good speaking with you, Hassim. So, we last spoke only a few weeks back, really, back in mid-July. Um, at that time, you were set to fight Jake Paul. I don't want to go into that. We all know what happened, of course. But first things first, how are you and how was your visit to the UK? All two and a half days of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome, man. It was awesome. Being in the UK, really, it, it, it opened my eyes up to, to how big boxing is around the world and um, how many people actually are in tune with what's going on in, in, in the sport that I love. and. I received a, 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 a king's welcome in England, so it was it was amazing. Um, I can't wait to go back, and um, I'm, I'm very excited for everything that's to come. 
Absolutely. Um, while you were here, of course, you announced live on the zone that your next fight will be taking place in Sheffield, England, on October fifteenth. You'll be boxing Vita Belfort. Um, tell me, Hassim, what do you know about Vitor? Um, I know that he's an MMA uh, legend, a superstar over there. He has a huge following. Um, uh, I, I know that he's very ferocious in the ring. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to facing uh, 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 someone who is a black belt, someone who is well-versed in, in, in combat fighting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to putting my skills on display against his skills in the boxing room. And you received, as you said, a very warm welcome, um, a king's welcome from what I could see um, from the UK fight fans. How excited are you to be boxing here, though? Because I was obviously with you on Saturday and you were real excited about just going to the event on Saturday night as a spectator. But to actually be competing, fighting, doing what you do best, how excited are you for that? Man, words can't really describe it. It's it's uh it's it's a it's a brand new feeling and um I, I it's a feeling that I feel like it's been it's been 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 built up in me for a long time just because I wanted so badly to compete in the Olympics when they were in London and I fought through the U.S. Olympic trials obviously I came up short so I wasn't able to go over and compete and um you know a, a, a lot of people do never get the chance they they fight for years and. They box for years and years and years, and they never get the chance to, to go over to such a place that loves boxing so much and be able to display their skills. So I'm uh, extremely grateful for the opportunity. And there's been a lot of rumors circling in the past, if I'm not mistaken, about Vitor perhaps being on PEDS. A lot of people felt like he'd been juiced up in the past. Is that a concern to you in any way? I mean... Uh, it, it's a concern, but it's not anything highly alarming. Um, I feel like uh, he's severely handicapped in this fight. Um, sometimes you'll have a handicap when you go into sparring, and uh, a fighter won't be able to use their jab, or they they won't be they will only be able to use their jab and, and, and have to host a whole sparring session with just the jab. Is sometimes you have to stay orthodox. Sometimes you have to say stay southpaw. Um, that that all plays a effect in what's going on in the ring, and um, I, I feel like Vitor will be severely handicapped um, come October 15th. Uh, he's not going to be able to do the things that that he's used to relying on in order to maintain success. He's going to have only his two hands. So um, you know the the PEDs obviously that that's a that's always a, a concern when you have someone who's a habitual user. But uh, uh, for this fight, um, I don't see it. I don't see it uh, playing a huge effect. I think that my boxing skills are, um, are going to pay the bills on, on, on October 15th. I think that uh, uh, regardless if he's on PEDs or testosterone boosters or whatever he's on, um, it is not going to be enough. Uh, I think that my jab is going to dictate the way this this whole this whole show goes. And talking about the jab dictating how the show goes, how many rounds is this fight, Hasim? And is it a proper fight that's going to count on your respective boxing records? As far as I know, yes. It'll be a, a professional bout, and it's uh, for four rounds. 
a four-round bout. So um, I, I think that people can expect to see fireworks, in a, especially in a four-round fight. Um, he's known for not having the best gas, gas tank. Um, I'm known for my issues with cardio. So I think that it'll be a, 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 a very, very fun fight to watch and uh, see who see who runs out of gas first, see who um, can, can push that button to knock their opponent out. And the fight's only six weeks away already. Obviously, you were here on the weekend. You're now back home. Um, you're going to be here again, obviously, um, in six weeks' time. And I know it's still a little bit early, but have you got a plan yet of when you're looking to arrive back in the UK for the fight? Yeah, I'll be there the week of the fight. Okay, okay. And you posted something on social media which I found interesting. You posted, I think it was seven different fight posters of you against seven different opponents, which I'm guessing you want to fight in the future. Tell me more about that. Is that the long-term plan? Uh, for me, yeah. I would like to fight everybody that I, that, that I posted. Um, I feel like all those fights are makeable fights. I feel like all those fights can be can be made and... Um, uh, not only can those fights be made, but they can be made anywhere in the world. They can be made in England. They can be made in America. They can be made in Saudi Arabia. Those are all fights that, that can that can be broadcast and be held anywhere in the world. Okay, okay. And my final two questions for you. I'm going to come to you about this one first. I just wanted to get your fight prediction, Hasim, if you have one. You mentioned that you're both kind of known for... Um, I guess, not having the greatest of stamina. It's obviously a four-round fight. I think everyone's probably expecting a quick start. How do you see the fight unfolding over the four rounds? <laughs> you know, I just pray for victory and health. And um, I, 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 I'm looking to come in, and, I come in healthy and leave healthy, and I'm looking to leave victorious. So however that comes, whether it be a, a first-round knockout or a four-round war, um, I'm just looking to show that I'm the superior boxer. And um, this has nothing to do with anything he's accomplished um, outside of a square circle. Um, this, this is this is straight hands, it's straight all hands, no feet, no grabbing, no headbutts. Like I said, this man is severely handicapped, and um, I just look to, to 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 let the boxing do the talking. You know, sometimes you get in there and you hit a guy with a shot in the first round, and then he finds a way to survive for the rest of the night. Um, there's nothing you can do about it, and then. Uh, some people get hit with a shot and then they they, they 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 come for it harder and I think that's the that's the type of fight I'm in for. I think that once I hit Vitor, um, I think that he's gonna come in even harder and even faster and even stronger. So I'm looking for the uh, the pace to increase every round. I think uh, I think it's gonna start fast and it's gonna be fast the entire time. He will be the fastest opponent I ever faced. So um, I'm looking for. Uh, for this to be a, a a show full of fireworks, Vitor, we all saw we we all saw him blow away Evander Holyfield. Obviously, um, even though your father, of course, boxed Evander when when your father was fighting, so I don't know how you feel personally about Evander. But is there a bit of you that kind of wants to get some revenge for Evander for the whole sport of boxing for what Vitor did? It's not really a even about Evander, it's more so for boxing. Um, I think he was he, he was really on his high horse after the fight. Um, I mean, the man was yelling and screaming at the microphone immediately after the, the Evander Holyfield fight. 
So that that even more touches on your PED question. <laughs> but um, I, I think that, uh, you know, no matter how old you get in this sport and now, no matter how old you get in, in either sport when it comes to combat fighting, um, you still can learn. And I'm looking to give him a lesson come October 15th. And I'm just going to throw this in lastly. How do you feel about Jake Paul at the minute, Hassim? Uh, I still feel the same way. I still feel like he's he's a, a fraud, a phony, and um, I want to expose him. So if this fight gets me even closer to getting in the ring with him, then all the better. Um, I, I think that it's only a matter of time before he gets exposed. And I may not be the first person to expose him. Maybe Henderson Silva beats me to the punch. Okay, okay, Hasim. Well, like I say, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for your time. It's always good to have you back on the podcast. This this was your home. This is your home. And we'll catch up closer to the fight, I'm sure, on October 15th. Always great talking to you, Joey. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's podcast. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Just one piece of news to mention as it stands. Dimitri Bivol will be defending his WBA light heavyweight world title against his mandatory challenger, the former um, super middleweight world champion, wasn't he? Gilberto Zurdo Ramirez. That one's going to be going down at the Etihad Arena in Abu Dhabi. United Arab Emirates. That's going to be Saturday, November the 5th, live on The Zone in all countries apart from, I think it's South Korea, um, which is kind of random, but whatever. Um, but yeah, so good to see Dimitri Bivol back out. Good to see Ramirez finally in a step up because you vacate your WBO title. You move straight up into the mandatory position if you want to, should you move up in weight. And he could have had the the shot, I think, a lot sooner. But he's bided his time. He's, you know, he's boxed guys who I think we all knew he was going to beat quite easily. And here he does. Uh, here he goes, putting it all on the line. And I want to say that I think Ramirez has the longest undefeated streak in boxing, certainly at the top level right now. I think he's. Oh, off the top of my head, he's got to be forty something and oh, I think he's, I think he's forty four and oh, so, you know, he puts it all on the line finally, and yeah, it's been a long time coming since he's you know, boxed a really high level opponent. Um, we didn't even really see it during his reign at Super Middle because for whatever reason he didn't seem to get it on with the other champions and. It was a great shame, to be honest with you. But anyways, it is what it is. It's a thing of the past. Like I say, only one piece of news to mention as it stands. So moving on now to the preview part of the show. Uh, we're going to start here with this one. It takes place on Saturday at a place in Mexico called Sonora in Hermosillo. Over here, uh, this one's going to be on the zone, by the way. Over here we have... Uh, let's start with the undercard. Just really one fight to mention on the undercard. Hector Calixto, who's 20-0 with four draws in a 12-rounder here against Sivanahi Nonshinga, who's 10-0. That's a fight there at light flyweight. Moving on to super flyweight, though. Oh, I love seeing this guy fight. Juan Francisco Estrada, 42-3, returns to the ring after... I think a year and a half out, if I'm not mistaken. And last time we saw him box, we saw him beat 
uh, Chocolatito. So we haven't seen him fight since then. It was a year and a half ago when he beat Chocolatito on a split over 12. Um, he gets in here with a guy called RG Cortez, who's 23-2 and two with two draws, never been stopped. Um, his two losses came back-to-back um, in 2014 when he was DQ'd in round three against this undefeated guy. in uh, Round three of a four-rounder, by the way. And then the very next fight after that, he lost a majority decision over four rounds. So we know that both of those losses really are quite questionable. Um, and they were both to undefeated fighters. Since then, though, he's put together just wins, 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 and a couple of, uh, I was going to say losses, a couple of draws. So, yeah, he's had a lot of fights since then. He was 2-2. Two and two. That's how he started off his pro career. Since then, he's put together 21 wins and two draws. So undefeated there in 23 fights since then. He's 27 years of age. Um, and, yeah, he's been quite active. He's boxed twice this year already. So, um yeah, obviously not nowhere near this competition, uh, this this level of competition, but it's going to be good to see Juan Francisco Estrada back. Um, will he become the first man to stop RG Cortez? That is probably the most prominent question on my mind. Both guys, tough Mexicans. Um, anyway, that's it for Mexico. Moving out now to the Echo Arena in Liverpool, Merseyside, United Kingdom over here. Hmm, let's start with the undercard. I don't know if he's definitely fighting, but he's been put on the undercard as far as I'm aware. Fraser Clark, the heavyweight, uh, the, the uh, what was he? Um, was he a silver or bronze medalist from the latest Olympics? I think it was a bronze. Anyway, 2-0 Fraser Clark as a pro. No opponent just yet for him. So like I say, not entirely sure if he's going to be fighting, but he is on the card apparently. Um... What else do we have? What else do we have? Um, Adam Azim, always good to see him fight. He's 5-0. and He's supposed to be in an eight-rounder. No opponent just yet for him. Good fight on the undercard. Supposed to be quite competitive, this one. We've got John Doherty, 12-1, getting in with the undefeated 8-0 Diego Costa, who was born in Brazil but now resides in Merseyside. Um, he, he's apparently quite a good fighter, this Diego Costa. Um, from what I'm hearing from insiders. Uh, elsewhere on the card, we see Natasha Jonas defend her um, WBO World Super Welterweight title. Straight away jumping in with the WBC champion, Patricia Bergholt, who's 15-0 with three KOs from Sweden, 28 years of age. Um, great to see a unification. Um I hope it gets pushed up to like at least at least co-main event because I do like watching Natasha Jonas fight. Obviously, we've seen the vulnerabilities in the past, but she is a big puncher. Um, you know, for a for for a female, I think it's fair to say. Certainly around those weight classes, there um, not full of big punchers, but it's going to be good to see her getting in with this lady here who is undefeated. I'd like to see the odds on the other lady, to be totally honest. But saying that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I haven't seen the other lady fight. Um, been in with Hannah Rankin. Beat Hannah Rankin. Um, but, you know, Hannah Rankin does have a few losses. Um, yeah, anyway. 
Could be a good fight there. Hopefully Natasha Jonas becomes unified champion. That, of course, is over 10 two-minute rounds. Uh, Dan Aziz as well. This is a really good fight. Dan Aziz, 16-0, defending his British title against former holder of the belt, Shakan Pitters, 17-1. That one loss came to Craig Richards. Um, it's a great, great fight. Really good fight. I'm happy to see two of the best light heavyweights we have in the country getting it on. Obviously, I've said for many, many years now, there's so many great domestic fights that can be made at light heavy. I'm really happy to see this one going ahead. Dan Aziz, um, you know, at times I think... Uh, he's got a decent resume, to be honest with you. You know, the likes of Jose Burton, when I think about it, Andre Sterling, Ricky Summers, those kind of guys. But there's 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 big fights for him. And I think the reason... I shouldn't be frustrated with him, but I feel like there's something quite special about Dan Aziz. I'm starting to notice it more and more every fight. And the reason I'm a tad bit frustrated is just because I think... There's there's probably big fights out there that can be made in this division against maybe slightly tougher opposition um, than he's been in with in the past. And Shakan Pitters is the kind of guys that I'm talking about. Of course, I'm, I'm talking about the, the slightly higher guys than Shakan Pitters, like Craig Richards, like Buatsi, uh, you know, like Anthony Yard, like Callum Johnson, like... Maybe not Callum Smith just yet, but he, I think he's just a kind of in the in the conversation with those guys. To be honest with you, Dan Aziz, I really like that win over Jose Burton. That was really impressive. A couple fights back, he stopped Jose Burton. Um, so yeah, he gets in with Shakan Pitters, who can be a nightmare. Six foot six, obviously, um, at, at light heavy, which <laughs> is is a rarity in itself, and he's a good boxer, Shakan Pitters. So I think this is going to be interesting to see how he copes with the size of Shakan Pitters. All the best there to both men. And the main event, Liam Smith, thirty one and three with a draw, former world champion, gets in with Hassan Mwakinyo of Tanzania, based now um, in Miami, Florida. What a life he must be living over there. Twenty and two is the is the record. Um, I guess famous really for knocking out um, Sam Eggington in two rounds back in 2018. But he did build off that slightly when he got in there with a faded version of Julius Indongo. That one was last time out. That one was in September. Um, of 2021 he was able to knock out Indongo in just four rounds so I think the power is real sort of um, but yeah you know we, 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 we're talking about him fighting Liam Smith one of the best fighters we have in the UK who's notoriously tough as old boots so I think um, I don't even really know if it's a good fight to be honest I'd, I'd say he's going to probably stop Mwakinyo probably with a body shot um, yeah Liam Smith, really good fighter. Mwaking yo, yeah, a bit of a flash in the pan, even though it can come across at times a little bit disrespectful. Um, okay, that's it for that one. Moving out now to the Huntington Center in Toledo, Ohio. This one over here, just one fight to mention. I don't even think it's televised, but I just want to mention this guy's name at every opportunity I get a chance to. Albert Bell, 21-0 in a 10-rounder here for the WBO NABO Super Featherweight title against Nicholas Palanco, who's 20-2 with a draw. I just want to say, why are, why are the US guys not making more noise about Albert Bell? I think he's He's a really good fighter, but I don't think he's with a major promoter. So, unfortunately, because of that, it seems like, I don't know, he's just not on the tip of the, the tongues of, uh, you know, boxing fans. And they're not really talking about him in big fights. He's got 
good rankings. I just don't understand why no one's pushing him a bit harder. I don't even have to check, but I just can guess that he doesn't have a big social media following. He's one of them guys. He's just not been managed or promoted well. And I remember him beating Andy Vences three years ago now. And Andy Vences, I think, I think was with... If I'm not mistaken, I want to say top rank. I want to say top rank. Could be wrong. But it seems like he has had more push since losing to Albert Bell than Albert Bell has had. Because I think Andy Vences had the fight with John O'Carroll and stuff like that. You know, there was a lot of hype there. But Albert Bell, the guy that beat him, doesn't have that hype. And it's just kind of weird to me. I know he's not a big puncher. He's only 21-0 with six KOs. I don't know. You know, he's a big guy for the weight. He's a six-foot-tall super feather. You know what I'm saying? This guy this guy needs to, to have more noise made about him. And if I can do my bit, then I will. Um, moving out now to this one here. I am not, I'm not sure which one to go to first on this. Um... Yeah, let's go. Let's go with. Let's go this one. Let's go this one. This one takes place, by the way, at the Farmers Market in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, USA. Again, it's not going to be televised, but I just want to mention it. He's been around forever. Carson Jones, forty-one and fifteen with three draws. He hasn't fought for four years. Four years out the ring. Sorry, three years out the ring. Just checked it. Three years out the ring. Um, and he gets in here with Demetrius Walker, who's 8-37 and 37 with two draws. Again, there's not too much on this weekend, so we are a little bit clutching at straws. But yeah, three and, and a little bit years out the ring. Um, you got to mention the old man. Um, and I say that respectfully. I think he wouldn't mind. He's He's got to be about 55 years of age now, Carson Jones. He's been around forever. Um, and then the big card of the weekend goes down at the Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles, California, USA. It's going to be on Fox Pay-Per-View. The annoying thing about it isn't that it's on pay-per-view. The annoying thing is that it's on Sunday. So I guess this inconveniences a lot of people especially in the UK, you simply can't go to work the next day on the Monday if you're watching this fight card, I don't think, because I'm guessing it's going to be on really late over here. It'll be early hours of Monday, I would have thought. And in the US even, I guess it depends on what time zone you're running on, but this is um, a late, late, uh, not a late, late card, sorry, an inconvenience if you're, if you're working on Monday, regardless of where you live in the UK or the US. Certainly, though, the UK. You can't go to work on Monday if you're planning on watching it live. Anyway, let's start with the undercard. Um, hmm. Let's start with the undercard. Former world champion, friend of the show, Charles Martin, 28-3 and three with a draw. Gets in with Devin Vargas, who's 22-7. and seven. The only thing about Vargas is that he tends to get knocked out quite a lot. He's been knocked out six times in his seven losses, including last time when he got banged out in four rounds by Zili Zhang, who, of course, boxed last weekend. And that was his last fight. It was almost two years ago. He hasn't been seen since then. Um, he also went the distance and lost to Junior Far over 10 rounds. He lost in a round to Andy Ruiz. Lost in three to Dominic Brazil. Uh, lost in six to Kevin Kingpin Johnson, albeit about 13 years ago. He's been around for a long time, Devin Vargas, but he shouldn't really have anything to trouble Charles Martin. And it's an eight-round fight, that one there. Um, 
This one's over 10 rounds here. Abner Mares, first time he's boxed in just over four years. This is shocking, actually. Former world champion, even though these days he's on the screen doing pundit work. He's 31-3 and three with a draw. He gets in with friend of the show, really nice guy, Miguel Flores. Um, I'd love to see Flores win. I think this is the right time to beat a big name. This is the right time to get Abner Mares after all this long time of, of, of inactivity. The only thing is that Flores tends to lose all of his big fights. He's lost, obviously, to Chris Avalos, uh, lost to Eduardo Ramirez, lost to Leo Santa Cruz. Um, yeah, you know, all of his big fights, unfortunately, have been losses. So all the best to Miguel Flores. Like I say, really nice guy, friend of the show. Um, elsewhere on the card, we've got Raiz Aleem, who's 19-0. They're talking about this guy as a future star, perhaps in the future. He boxes here for the WBO, NABO, Super Bantamweight title. Um, he's only five foot six, five foot six. Raiz Aleem. I didn't actually notice that. Um, promoted by Marshall, uh, Marshall Kaufman. Um... 32 years of age. Okay, that's interesting to me because they are talking about this guy as something for the future for sure. He gets in with Mike Planier, who's 26 and 1. The one loss came to Juan Carlos Payano four and a half years ago. That's not a bad guy to lose to. This could be an interesting fight. He holds a win over Joshua Greer Jr. I remember that one. If I'm not mistaken, I think that one was in the bubble during COVID. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Yes, it was. So, yeah, Mike, Mike Planier, not a bad fighter, that one. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be interesting. We've also got Joey Spencer, 15-0, getting in with the also undefeated. Um, Kevin Zambrano, who's 14-0 with a draw. We've got Jose Valenzuela, 12-0, getting in over 10 rounds for the WBC Continental America's lightweight title against Jezreel Corrales, 26-4. We've got Isaac Cruz, 23-2 with a draw. Um... Seems like he's been so active in recent times, you know, really active. Obviously, lost to Javante Davis in his one loss. Um, sorry, he's got two losses, hasn't he? Lost to Javante Davis, lost early on in his career. Can't remember who it was to. Last time out, was able to knock out in five rounds. Yuriokis Gamboa. He gets in with Eduardo Ramirez, twenty-seven and two with three draws. This guy lost his O years ago to Lee Selby. Um, He's never been stopped, though, and he's got a win over Miguel Flores. Knocked him out in round five. He's got a knockout win against Ledwan Barthelemy. Um, a win on points over Miguel Mariaga. <sighs> it's just another fight, I think, where we're expecting Isaac Cruz to look good. Will he get the knockout? Will he become the first man to stop Ramirez? That, I guess, is the only real question. Uh, it's for the WBC silver lightweight title, and the main event... This is, it's a good card, I think, but I don't think it's pay-per-view. But the main event, to put that cherry on top of the ice in, I'm going to come to you in a minute, Eddie. But I'm going to quickly give my thoughts on it. Andy Ruiz Jr., 34-2. and two. Didn't look fantastic last time out against Chris Ariola, obviously being dropped in round two. It was a real shock. He did throw about 10,000 punches that night, though. He did manage to win quite wide on the cards in the end. Um, you know, 
it was his first fight coming back after a year and a half out after losing to Anthony Joshua in Saudi Arabia. So maybe we let him off for that kind of weird performance against Chris Ariola. But he gets in here with Luis Ortiz, obviously coming off that win against Charles Martin, in which he was looking awful, wasn't he? He was down twice in the first round and the fourth round before coming back and knocking out um, Charles Martin. It all went went horribly wrong for Martin so quickly. Um yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's not a it's not a great paper. It's not a, it's not a pay per view fight on its own. It's 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 not a pay per view event. It's a decent event. The undercard, I think, is probably more exciting than 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 the main event. It's it's got better fights on it, but probably the names are not as big as these two guys here. Um, I don't know, Eddie man. I mean, to me, it kind of feels like both these guys really are at the end. Of their careers, and I mean that respectfully towards um, Ruiz, but certainly Ortiz. I mean, God, how many fights are we going to see more of him? Um, my thoughts, though, I think it's probably Ruiz's fight to win, probably on points. I don't think we see a stoppage. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I, I get where you're at with it, and I, I agree with that, but I think both of these guys, the punchers they are, considering both their pre- previous performances, and both of them being dropped or being hurt, I think it could easily be a stoppage for either guy. I see it being more more likely to be uh, Andy Ruiz winning by a stoppage if that happens, if it's going to be a stoppage at all. Obviously, we know they're both pretty big punches. They're both pretty, well, I'll say Ruiz, the quicker-handed guy. Uh, Ruiz is the more free-throwing free guy. But... Um, I think it all depends on the condition, you know what I mean, physically and mentally, uh, and really the age and the wear and tear on uh, Ortiz's body and, and mind too. I think if he's able uh, to, to actually give a good account of himself, he has a chance, but I just don't see it at this stage. You know, he's a southpaw, he's a crafty southpaw. You know, him in, in, at his best, this would have been a hell of a fight. Ruiz, obviously, at his best, obviously, would have been a hell of a fight. So it's just kind of crazy that this had to happen this kind of this late in, in both their respective careers. But um, Ruiz, I think, obviously, in, in, in my opinion, still has the upper hand. But it wouldn't shock me that somehow Ortiz was able to get a stoppage, similar to the whole Charles Martin thing, um, being that. You know, you figure Charles Martin has so you know more left than Ruiz, and it turned out to be—I mean, not Ruiz, but uh, Ortiz—and it turned out to be the opposite uh, uh, situation happened. So, um, you know, then if you think about Ruiz's last fight with Ariola and how many times he's got—he got hurt, and how interesting the fight was, and how close—not only close, but how he was actually you know in trouble and he was pushed at times. Um, it just makes you wonder, like, where he is at, at this point in his career and whether or not, um, you know, they even really think about him challenging again at the high level, at, at a high level, you know, at the, toward, you know, for a title or anything like that in the future. So uh, I think it's just an interesting fight. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, I think it's a little better late than never, but it's still not, it's still not, uh, not at the stage we would have liked it, but may still end up being entertaining anyway. Well, there we have it. I mean, I think 
if you're listening to myself and Eddie, it translates to we do not advise you betting on this fight at all because I think it could go the distance. Eddie thinks it could end early. When I hear Eddie's explanation of why it could end early, I really struggle to disagree with it. Obviously, um, you know, um, um, Ortiz was badly hurt against Martin. And like I say, he managed to weather the storm and come back, but it still looked like, whoa, you know, he he's he, he, he looks finished, really. Looks like the end for Ortiz. That's what we were saying through those first four rounds against Charles Martin. But then when you think about it, he has only been stopped by Deontay Wilder, who stops, you know, 99% of people. So, I don't know. And Charles Martin is a bigger puncher than um, Ruiz. But obviously, Ruiz has that volume. And as you say, Ruiz didn't look great against Ariola. Is it because he was out the ring for a, for a year and a half? Well, guess what? He's been out the ring for another year and a half since the Ariola fight. So there's a lot of question marks. And it is set for 12 rounds. Will we see the 12th round? I haven't got a clue now. Eddie's made me really have to think about things. So, yeah, I don't think I'd put any money on that fight. <laughs> I'm going to see what the odds are. And um, if there's anything kind of, uh, you know, tempting in terms of a good price, then maybe I'll jump on it just just um, minimally. But other than that, I don't actually advise anything. Like, I'm not certain about anything here. If you even have any faith in me after me telling everyone to put your house on the fact that Zili Zhang... And Philip Hergovich was never going the distance, and it did. Um, anyway, <laughs> that brings the preview part of the show to a close. In part one, we did the review part, and we had our special guest after that. And then after that, in part two, we did the news part. Just one piece of news that was mentioned, and then I've just wrapped things up there with the preview part. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 359 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A special thank you to our special guest this week, the former co-host of the podcast, Mr. Hassim Rackman Jr. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. There has been one or two pieces of news break whilst we've been recording the show. Joe Cordina will be defending his IBF Super Featherweight World title against his mandatory challenger, Shaq. Avkats on Rakamov, that one to go down um, in Abu Dhabi on November the 5th as part of the Bivol Ramirez undercard. For those that don't know or don't remember, Rakamov did box for the vacant IBF Super Featherweight World title in the past. It was back in February of 2021 where he and Joseph Jojo Diaz drew over 12 rounds and many pe- many people felt that Rakimov deserved the win and, and deserved to be champion that night, so I predict a really hard fight here for Joe Cordina. And also, another fight's been added to that undercard. It's Chantel Cameron against Jessica McCaskill. That fight to take place at 140, so McCaskill's coming down in weight here. Um, Chantel has got two of the world titles at that weight, and I'm told that the other two world titles held by Callie Reese have been uh, made vacant while she focuses on her Hollywood acting career so it's a chance here for one of these ladies to become undisputed super lightweight world champion Uh, that aside it's an unbelievable fight there's no way I can't see this fight being an all-out war both ladies are so aggressive both ladies have heart in abundance and this for me 
and I know that this is a bold prediction, but for me, this is the female equivalent to Hagler Hearns or Gatti Ward. I cannot wait for that fight there. November the 5th is the day in Abu Dhabi. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.